Yes, good morning, good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to A Bev with Stev, episode 17. Steamrolling into year two of this podcast. Um, thanks for listening. While you're on your thing, while you're on your phone, can you tap your thumb on the five star thing? Can you give me a review? That'd be amazing. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so thanks for joining us. Today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing a compadre and longtime musical brother, Alex Lipinski. He is um, a guy with quite a varied and interesting story so far as a musician. He's played in bands with uh, members of Oasis, members of his family. In-depth chat with him about his influences, his new album. Then, gonna be at Abbey Road Studios. Somehow I managed to find myself in Abbey Road Studios at half eight in the morning, looking around all the studios, so I have some stories to tell about that, whilst in the wind in the early morning St. John's Wood air. And then, Randomly, I find myself in a tent with my wife while the rain's pissing down, talking about the Green Man Festival, which we attended a couple of months ago. Talk about all the acts that played, what happened, and we also play a treat of a game called Carl Pilkington's Rock Busters. If you don't find it interesting, you might find it amusing. Um, so enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Tell your mum. See you in a bit.
So that's called Going Nowhere Fast, and I'm here with the author of that song, Alex Lipinski. How you doing? Good, Steve. How are you? I'm all right. I'm drinking Guinness. Alex is drinking black coffee. New York and Ireland. That track's a new track, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's off a new album that'll be coming out. Yeah, the first track. So that's what's being played here, there, and all around at the moment. Who's playing on that track? Because I know you... Did you record it in Berlin with this guy from Brian Jonestown Massacre, is it? Yeah, Anton Newcomb. We recorded at his studio. And uh, it's just me, my older brother Adam, and uh, a guy called Fred Stitz, who um, just turned up at the studio one day because he's a friend of Anton's. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, I got a song because he's a great kind of lap steel player. And he just listened lap to... Steel. Oh, no, was it lap steel? Pedal still. Dobro. He had a Dobro. Oh, Dobro, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's like acoustic, like Ronnie Lane vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of busks all over Europe. And um, yeah, I said, do you want to play on this? And within two takes, he just put stuff in the background. So that was, yeah, just three of us for that one. How do you record? So it's pretty live. This album was, yeah, because... You've done... This is your second album? Second solo one, yeah. yeah. Um, with this one, Anton, basically, he saw a video of mine on YouTube, which is me performing a song just live acoustically and then he contacted me saying he wanted to put my next record out so the idea with this album was to basically just capture the song as he initially saw me like in as a live solo folk thing mm-hmm. um so that was it we kind of recorded it was basically sat around me and my brother facing me and i was kind of teaching him the parts as we went along yeah. like no clicks or anything and we just kind of did one or two takes of each song um and luckily the vibe was right and we in the space of about eight hours we had like 11 songs recorded um, and then we listened back the next day and it were all done and then we kind of had overdubs on stuff but kind of minimal keeping it as you know minimal as possible mm. um, and that's really the essence of it yeah um, yeah and that was it isn't that amazing when you record that feeling of having the song yeah. and like I really feel like I've done something what's the vibe of this album then what's it called uh, it's just self-titled well it's just called Alex which I was a bit wary about at first. It's called Alex. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think... How come? Well, I, I was up for calling it something like the Berlin Sessions, but... Berlin Sessions. Something like that. And I didn't really think I could pull off a one-name title at this point. But um, Anton kind of insisted on it. So are you treating this as, like, your debut then? Not necessarily. It's just kind of these certain songs, I guess they're a step on from my last record. My last record, solo record, was quite a while ago because I've been doing stuff with Bonehead, yep. which took up a bit of time and... I had an album to record and that got put on a back burner. So this, this kind of, I guess, starts, puts a new flag down. Um, but it was kind of his insistence to have it self-titled as just Alex, which I kind of went along with. But he, he with his mind, it was kind of an essence as a producer of kind of capturing an old-style folk record 
just oh, very so live. there's not many drums or anything on no, the whole record no, no. like this is all pretty much acoustic and live very minimal mm. um that's good and with his production it, it kind of trying to make it sound as almost as i guess old score as timeless as possible yeah. um but i haven't the next album will be with a full band uh but this is this is really stripped back and to the bare bones and everything is left in like he kind of taught me about perfect mistakes like things yeah, i think yeah. normally leave it out he's like no leave it in what and he forced you to accept them because i know what that's like yeah. and i never accept i'm like because mm. you can do a, a purpose a mistake on purpose almost yeah, you, know? yeah. you can do like you know you're laughing in the mic you know you're so were they actual mistakes they were kind of yeah perfect mistakes in the sense that if it was left to my own devices you could or you're not singing out of tune or anything. no 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 it's just certain things where you're the pickiest person when you're listening back to yourself oh, and sometimes you need someone outside saying no that work it's someone's thinking about the whole sound rather than just your yeah. where you're like you're honing in, in on your voice yeah however do you like listening to yourself can you handle it uh no i don't once it's done and recorded i don't tend to once we know I'm, our own voices right yeah i've but i'm always kind of once someone's recorded i'm, I'm content with it i won't generally listen to it again because mm. i'm always like right on to the next thing and yeah. try not to rest on my laurels too much yeah. um and when it's out there it's for people to kind of listen to and you know and i think when you're doing something you've heard so many you've heard the song so many times you kind of like you get numb to like yeah what it was when you first got that feeling of writing it you know or, it's or, so different when you've recorded it as well yeah to it's, play a song because you've got a template it's weird yeah it takes on its own separate entity mm. and certain songs you think are stronger than others when it's out there people are like all oh, right i didn't really realize about that song and then yeah. you kind of oh shit yeah that is actually you know yeah. it's weird but it's it's all interesting <laughs> yeah so me and alex know each other because can i say this i think it's about 10 years ago now we played on the same bill yeah it's nice. so we play i thought about this today we played used to play with this guy who became a manager for Bobby Long. Do you remember Bobby Long? Yeah, was that a Spice of Life? In, was that in Soho? It was Spice of Life and Hard Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard Rock, yeah. And that guy went on to be his manager, and that guy was okay. It was around the same time as um, the Twilight films. So it could have been us that was on the Twilight yeah, films, yeah. but we were doing our, like, Bruce Springsteen, Ryan Adams thing. And that guy, Bobby, was singing with, like, his fringe over his face, and he yeah, went to America, yeah. and all the women were, like, wetting themselves. And I think around the same time, I went to America, and I was like, oh, my God. And, like, they were into singer-songwriters at that time. Yeah. But, yeah. And you've had an interesting journey. So it's been, in the past 10 years, you've been in a band with Bonehead. Mm. How did that happen? Um, I supported his band Parlor Flames we're both massive Oasis fans right yeah we've yeah. both got very similar influences me and Alex I've just been listening to a thing called Stage Left Podcast as well that interviews people like him yeah. so sometimes people like him have more interesting stories yeah. than Noel Gallagher yeah so you supported Parlor Flames yeah the Water Rats and then we got kind of got Pally um, and just started yeah basically got friends and then we so he liked your music yeah yeah we played solo yeah, solo acoustic. Okay. And he was kind of, yeah, he really enjoyed it. So we kind of kept in touch and I supported a few more dates on the back of that. And then he came down to Western, my hometown, and we and we basically jammed a couple of songs, my songs, and then we cut, it was just like the chemistry. It was like, we just, it was great to hang out, good laugh. And then I went up to his house and we demoed some stuff. And it kind of, from this organic thing, we had these like four songs 
and then we got the band together and just did a few gigs and it kind of worked its way and just kind of organically grew and then we did a couple of shows in LA and whoa, whoa, whoa okay hold on so that band's called the phonies and the freaks, phonies and the freaks yeah So Oasis, their first London gig was at the Water Rats. Yeah. Yeah. So did he say that? And what were you chatting about? So he liked your music. Yeah. And this guy's like a 40-year-old, 50-year-old, is he now? Like Mancunian. Yeah. And so what did you have in common? Influences or? Just, yeah, I mean, mean, he's a really easy guy to get on with. But I think people think of Bono, they don't really know him, or, or Oasis, that they're just in this one box. So that's all the type of music play. But his musical encyclopedia is vast like he, yeah. that you wouldn't so what does he listen to all sorts I mean he not just like Happy Mondays no, and no, the no. Beatles no like loads of sixes like early BG stuff and yeah. like you know so R&B but a lot of folk singers and um, so he's a real music guy yeah 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 he's not just like a because he has the reputation yeah of being like a pisshead in Oasis I mean, I mean unfairly yeah. and for me their sound had a sound and like when he left and Gwigs and they got an accomplished musician it changed the sound yeah. you know I mean he's a fantastic rhythm guitarist yeah and he uh, and we were doing stuff and he, you know everything I know it sounds daft because in the studio sometimes it takes a while to kind of get everything exactly on a beat and he, he just nailed every you know he's a fantastic rhythm guitarist so and, right yeah that's but, not his reputation either no no but his, his, his musical kind of influences Spirals, you know, a lot, a lot more than just um, mm. this Manchester Britpop box. You yeah, know, people yeah. like to put them in. And you're an Oasis fan, so how did that feel? It was surreal at first, but then you kind of get. Now he's just a mate. Yeah, and then there's been times where we've gone out. I mean, the, the surreal thing with the Oasis thing was when me, Bonehead, and Liam went out, and yeah. Liam telling me, you know, he likes my voice, and it's like. Mm. You know, he had from growing up as you know with that whole scene and having certain influences vocally like John Lennon and Robson and Liam. It's like yeah. having some of that at its peak. You know, tell you that it's quite humbling. Um, they're all really humble guys, you know, and they're all music fans, which is the most refreshing thing about it. Mm. Um, which I guess the media plays a different, yeah. different thing. But um, Liam's a great guy. I think yeah. I'm a team Liam. And I think he's getting some good vibes now, yeah. rightfully so. Yeah, it's good for the voice, so I'm told. It's fucking good, man. Now, in the 90s, I got someone else to fucking do it, but now I can't fucking money. is tight, too tight to mention. Got to do it yourself, haven't you? No one buys records these days. In the 90s, I had about four people doing it. Little geezer doing a kettle, our kid. Some other little doing that. Some of the little fucking idiot doing that. Now you got to do your fucking. Now you got to do it yourself these days. You know what I mean? Because these fucking not smart asses download fucking tunes for niche. 
and they wonder why there's no real rock and roll stars around. This is the shit you got us doing, fuckers. But I met him in like 2000 when I was like 18, and I went to see, I don't know who it was, was it the Stereophonics at Shepherd's Bush? And uh, I was like, look at that guy dressed like Liam Gallagher at the end of the bar, and he turned around and it was Liam Gallagher. <laughs> and so I went up and got his autograph, and I was smoking, I was trying to be cool, but I was kind of shitting myself looking eye to eye with him. Yeah. And he has a charisma, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So you're like in your 20s or something and you meet him then. So you, how do you feel? And So you're drinking with him, you're out with him. Yeah, well, we ended that night, we ended back at, um, we ended back at his house. Is this in Manchester then? No, it, this is in Hampstead. Okay. And we ended up back in his house after being out drinking. And we ended up kind of playing guitar in his uh, really? kitchen and singing Elvis, singing amazing, Elvis songs. And, um, Elvis songs? Just while he's like Elvis fan, so he, he was like, and then he was singing, it was quite surreal, he was singing Acrius at the top of his voice in the, in the kitchen, really? I was like. And you did the null bit? I can't remember, we were all really drunk. Okay. And, um, but yeah, we just had Elvis, it was just a bit of a little party, but it was, yeah, it's good fun, it's great. Okay, yeah. so with that, should we play an Elvis song or an Oasis song? What do you reckon? What's your favourite of the, I know they're two distinct. Well. So we need, a ha we need to have a break. It's the King's anniversary this week so maybe oh, death. yeah I 40 years uh, how about Mystery Train Mystery Train by Elvis here we go So that was Elvis the King who passed away on the toilet 
Was it 40 years ago today? Or th this week? Yeah, yeah, was that was that disrespectful? That's fact, isn't it? It's, it's fact. fact. That's what happened. Okay. And so you got an, you got an Oasis story? Yeah, you mentioned about that. I was just saying there was one I remember that sticks out was um which is funny at the time, uh, when they were recording Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, they went over to this mansion in France. I think it was Christian George's family or whatever. That's where the Stones record, like, a tax exile place. Yeah, I okay. don't know if it's the same place, but the same kind of setup, like, big mansion. And um, Bonehead wanted to drive there because he loves driving anyway. And he bought, just bought this, like, really expensive new car. I don't know if it was a Rolls-Royce or Bentley or whatever. And he wanted to drive over there in it. So everyone got there and he arrived, like, a bit later. And um, so whenever they're recording, and uh, one night, he, he, next morning, he comes out and his tyres are down. And he's, like, scratching his head. He's like, what's going on here? So he does the tyres back up, and the next morning they're down again. And he looks round at, like, no one It's like, who's done this? Like, why would we do this? We're trying to record. What's going on? The next day, he, um, he, they're down again. So he rings up um, the company in Britain, and they get paid to come over. Oh, really? And replace the car. The whole car? And there's nothing wrong with it. And Noel, basically, Noel told this show on TalkSport a couple of years ago. And basically, what it was, Noel was doing it every night. And Bona kept coming back scratching his head going, what, why? And he's like, why would we do this? And then he fired him, didn't he, or something? Or he left? Is this why he left? No, 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 no. Okay. But he was, um, anyway, Noel said on TalkSport, I told Bona, I told Bona anyway. So I thought he knew about it. So when Bona came down the west, I was like, you knew Noel did it, right? He was like, you joking? And he, he didn't like, 15 years he uh, thought it was just a fault Noel is not to be trusted <laughs> he never let it out of the bag no what you ask me if I'm happy listen I've got 87 million pounds in the bank <laughs> I've got a Rolls Royce I've got three stalkers I'm about to go on the board at Manchester City I'm part of the greatest band in the world am I happy with that no I'm not I want more he might think that's why he left no 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 I don't think so do you know why he left? Or is this... I uh, you don't have to go like ultimate on bone. I don't know, I don't know. He doesn't talk about it? No, it's just... I think it, it was just... Um, I don't really know the ins and outs, but I think... He's well, done or what? Is no, he, I don't... I don't he's in, he was in another band, wasn't he? Like, yeah, he was in a few, and then we, we put an EP out, and we've got stuff written for the album, which we'll do when the time is right, but then at the time, they had all this Oasis promo stuff to do, and, okay. he, and um, he had... Uh, he had stuff to do on his own back, so we, we'll probably record again when the time's right. But he's got like a nice home studio set up, and he's, he's not on this album, though. No, he's not on this album, okay. no. Um, so you are in two bands. Yeah, well, this is like a solo record, and we we've kind of like that's that's kind of taken a hiatus with the phony stuff. But we'll when the time's right, I'm sure we'll do something. Like and the phony stuff. Did you do any? Oasis covers or what were the audience there were they one in Oasis or what no well we in LA it was like a showcase because we supported a guy called Cav a British guy who used to play with Happy Mondays and he invited us over there to open a show so we did acoustic stuff um, so we kind of didn't want to do so anything. you got invited to do that in LA yeah, yeah. where was it the Viper Room or something the Viper Room and oh, we shit. did um, the uh, oh, the Cat and Fiddle which is shut now we did an afternoon session there um but that, yeah, we didn't play in a way. You got flown to LA? Was that yeah. business class? No, no, no. I wish, okay. I wish. Normal. Yeah. But, um, so we Put did... up in a hotel? Yeah. This shit is rare nowadays, I know, I know. isn't it? But we had two gigs in like 11 days. So okay. we had two gigs and we had nine days off in LA. Okay. So basically, so we ended up just going around drinking. Yeah. <laughs> but it was good fun. There's not many bars in LA. No. I played at the Viper Room, the downstairs, the one that's like a toilet, 10 years ago. 
I was staying on Hollywood Boulevard and uh, the Viper Room's on Sunset Boulevard. I had my guitar and I thought, oh, look, I looked at the map and there were just two adjacent streets. Yeah. But they're like a five-mile walk yeah. <laughs> between each other. You need a car, don't you? And there's not many bars. I remember I went to one bar and got pissed as well, but there's not many. It's not like New York where there's five on a street, you know. I mean, I love New York. I'd be good over here, but I... I think I need to go back to LA to kind of... I think if you know people ain't got friends there, it's different, but I... I yeah. I didn't come away thinking like, oh, it's, you know, oh, it's, it's not, amazing. Mate, it's not immediate like here or no, New York. No. Um, it's like an industrial place where they're making movies. It's like Slough or something. Yeah. <laughs> with, with hot weather. Yeah. And what... So you're a big Ryan Adams fan. Yeah. You were there when we were at the Rough Trade thing. Yeah. That's an influence. What's your favourite stuff by him? I mean, because it's interesting, we've got similar British Britpop influences, then Americana. Yeah. How did you get into that world? Springsteen, Neil Young, same as me, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on, like, through basically my parents' fault, grew up on, like, 50s, 60s rock and roll music and the Beatles. And then, kind of, it wasn't until, like, my early teens when I started appreciating, kind of, deeper, meaningful side of, like, songwriting. And then I got, I got into, kind of, Dylan and Neil Young and Springsteen and Ryan Adams kind of stemmed through... Mm. Dylan really um, got into Ryan Adams and Spring, so I was kind of hooked. But um, I mean, I love Heartbreaker, but I think Cold Roses yeah. and, and Love as Hell are probably two of my favourite. Yeah. Um, I just listened to them religiously as like a 15, 16 years old, and then that stemmed other kind of songwriters off there. It's like a little tree of just, you know, Americana. Cold Roses is amazing, and I don't even like The Grateful Dead really, yeah, yeah. which is like. That's his Grateful Dead album, so I like the Grateful Dead for a filter of him, yeah. you know. But that not that year it annoyed me because he's, I mean, Ryan was so prolific, and that year I think he put up three albums like Jacksonville City Nights in '29. Yeah. And the press were like, you can't, you can't release. Can't do that. But every album's like stand on its own. It's all great. Yeah. But I think he just annoyed that many people. You yeah. Know, that that's why he got a lot of bad press, but. There isn't anyone around today now who is prolific and churning out constant high standard stuff. You know, there isn't that many. No, he hasn't really done any bad records, um, in my opinion. But um, he's kind of on his own in that respect. I think. Yeah. Today, the only people that are good that are younger than us, for me, is like Laura Marling. I think she's good. Are you a fan of hers? Yeah, yeah, she's great. Um, there isn't that much really she's around She's pretty today. prolific. She's done about eight albums. She's only 27 or six yeah. or something. I mean, there isn't that much around today at the moment that I kind of... No. ...excites me. I kind of go back... Most of my time spent listening to music nowadays is kind of going back and... Great. ...and learn and, and listen to old records that I haven't mm. yet heard, you know, and that's a lot of my time spent on record shops or whatever, just going back and rediscovering. It's like, why haven't I heard this? Mm. And just going back and then... But there isn't that much at the moment that really... No. Um, yeah. And are you an old school guy? Do you listen to music on Spotify, or do you buy vinyl, or do you do you buy music? How do you consume it? Because that's quite an interesting thing now. Yeah, I buy vinyl. I mean, I, and it sounds kind of really hypocritical, but because I hate what Spotify stands for, and I hate the of fact. Of course. But you're on it though, yeah. Yeah, and I've got you it. Kind of got to be on it. Yeah, and even I've, Neil Young has decided he's got to be on it. Last yeah, yeah. three months. Yeah, it's kind of double-edged sword, but and I've got it because. I'll listen, it's so easy at home to access it's like if I want to hear an artist like and they've got a record out I'll listen to it but then I'll go and buy the record yeah me too um, it's like the new radio yeah yeah so it's like you pay 120 quid a year for radio with no ads is yeah. the way I see it and like 
the new uh, so I went PJ Harvey played at Hot uh, Green Man the other day I thought I've never really listened to PJ Harvey so then I listened to her album and if I like it I do buy it and I don't know if that's that different to the radio back in the day but I completely understand like I get the invoices that say 0.0000001p and I've just got paid 20 quid by them for the last six months or something Mm. so the interesting with Spotify is since it's come come in like my I looked at my things for my previous like record and it was like basically it's UK USA Canada yeah Germany but now with Spotify even though it's like 0.000 per play it's from all over the world yeah which is kind of that's good yeah it's like a distribution thing yeah but it's based on a market share I don't know if you know this so when the Beatles put their catalogue on if you got a million plays in that day you'd still only got about a tenner you know because they put all of their albums on there so it's a weird model yeah so that's Spotify so your album have you got a release show this album because it's basically pretty much just myself and my brother when we recorded it when we're going to do these particular shows it's going to be very stripped so either myself solo or me and Adam or me my brother and uh, another guitar player we have so more as a three piece Um, and we're going to do like a launch thing in London and then I'm going to do a um, like a, a launch party in my hometown, Western Supermare. Mm. And then I'm going to do a launch in Berlin. Um, okay. And then there'll be a f- like a few shows added after that. Mm. But those are going to be the three kind of main launches. So what do you think of Berlin? I love Berlin. I love Berlin. Isn't it a bit of a twat city now? All the hipsters are there. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. So how is it now? I haven't been for a few years. It depends. It's a good artist city. It depends. Like the thing I love about it is because it's so chilled as a capital city, and mm. it's like it's that very European way of culture. Not so much the nine to five. It's very much. Yeah. A lot of people, artists, I know out there, they they kind of make ends meet to focus on what they love doing. Mm. So it doesn't matter. They they get the hours done and that's it. And then they can go and do what they love. But mm. so we record at Anton's studio, and then there's this bar called Eight Millimeter, mm. which is kind of the the you know rock and roll bar. It's a small old. Like the 12 by club in Soho, it's yeah, kind of similar yeah. vibe, but really dark. But Berlin, typically Berlin vibe, like low light and weird visuals, mm. um, smoky as hell because you can smoke in there. Yeah. And we used to hang out there every night, and it shuts when like the last person leaves. And you just meet a load of people in there who have come from everywhere and just end up here. I know there's a lot of like club scene in Berlin, but I didn't really entertain that. You know, I'm not really interested. But this, yeah, 8mm kind of generally. Mm. Uh, hang out there Berlin's just great I mean there's a lot of culture and a lot of art there and mm. it, I know you don't speak German though no. No, no I hate the German language I don't know if I'd ever no. my mate lived there for a year and he never learned the language so but the beer's good there yeah and other places <laughs> and the sausages but it's similar to like my sister lived in Krakow in Poland for 20 years really yeah because our grandfather's Polish and she taught English up there and she's just moved back but um and Krakow's one of my favourite cities in the world and Berlin's got a kind of similar vibe like just kind of candlelit very chilled mm. and, but there's a lot more going on in Berlin but, mm. and the kebabs are great in Berlin as well right <laughs> everything's great about Berlin <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you heard of a fella called Ryan O'Reilly no he went to live there and he lived by Buskin and yeah. that's how he made his kind of name here Buskin then he went there and I think he's still there have you ever considered just being there? Yeah, for a period of time, um, I thought about it. I mean, I don't think you have to do that much to, 
to make rent. Not like London, I think it, it's it's easier to make a living mm. in Berlin than London. Do it, you know, or, or doing your art. Yeah. Um, but I'm quite where I'm at the moment. I'm quite content. Like Brist- I live near Bristol, which is a great city. And me, me and my brother gig a lot, um, and that's kind of the main income. We do a lot, of, you know, all sorts of stuff. So yeah. I, at the moment, very fortunate to be able to earn a living playing music um, mm. so it's quite a good setup I've got in the UK um, yeah, yeah. but if, if I was to live anywhere else Berlin would be certainly Berlin or New York would be top of the list yeah yeah. do you have to play covers then do you do some cover gigs yeah we do um, like private stuff and, and we've got a kind of a band um, or a duo we do all sorts of stuff basically from like 50s, 60s to modern day and it's sometimes it feels like a job and sometimes it's, um, it's, it's a, a hobby it's a different vibe isn't it when you're doing a cover yeah you're more confident, but then it's kind of more like you're not a mercenary, but you, you know, there's a there's a bill. Yeah. You got to sign a check at the end, or they have to. Yeah, I mean, and it just, but it, you're constantly playing music, and I play bass a lot in this band, and yeah. and you're doing, you're kind of, you're constantly playing, so you're constantly, you know, performing as a musician. So you know, it's kind of you're much fit it's what the Beatles did isn't it yeah yeah it's what Springsteen did in the bars in New Jersey yeah I want to talk about your brother then because that's interesting how is he older or younger yeah he's eight years older he's eight years older so you're the younger brother and how did this happen does he sing does he write what does he do yeah he's so he's um, he's a full time musician and he so we play together a lot so he's in my band but we um, we do their party band as well but he um we haven't written together we do a lot of the harmonies like we're okay. in a lot of Everly Brothers stuff and Crowder House big fans and um, right. Simon and Garfunkel so um, but brothers in bands don't get on this is the thing there's and you're you know he's not part of your band is he he's a hired hand isn't he really for well, your band I owe him a lot of favours <laughs> but because th- you're influenced by him his record collection and that maybe yeah well, I've got, I got two brothers and a sister like all older like I'm the yeah. result of a a drunken party that my parents attended so that's okay. why there's the age well back. you're like my brother who's seven years or six years younger than me yeah so um you are influenced by the older i know he is yeah. you know so i grew up basically listening to my brother's record collections and um so there's never that th- animosity because when i grew up when i was like a kid he was in the band on like the local circuit so i almost grew up in awe looking up to him yeah and then it wasn't until i was like 15 16 and we started playing together and just there's a weird connection with brothers because like the harmony thing like we got I think we got a similar tone and mm. without having to check I know what he's doing he knows what I'm doing we don't there's that kind of brotherly understanding which is really weird but it we just know where where we're at dynamically and you know everywhere really so if you're doing a lead singing he does a high harmony and can you do that with each other yeah so um, he sings yeah yeah we'd say so i'm not i normally take the, like the higher harmony yeah um but when we do like crowd house stuff i do like the tim finn line um but we do a lot of everly brothers stuff a lot of that um and we play in like a band together as well mm. he actually plays bass in my originals band so when we when we tour next year he'll be playing bass and okay. but we do all harmony stuff and you can play bass can you play bass and sing lead vocal yeah that is fucking hard on your own songs or covers yeah well we do um I was involved we do a lot of Beatles stuff because I as like a bit of a you do Paul bass lines yeah. and sing because we as a hobby Holy shit as a hobby a few years ago we put together a band called the Magical Mystery 4 okay and uh, and I 
I'm, I'm poor, not the silly wigs or accents, but just okay. for the sound. So you think. look a bit like a Beatle. You look like you're from Liverpool in a way. Well, I'm left-handed as well. Fuck. Well, let's form a Beatles cover band. Yeah. I'll do John, but I can't sing like John. Let's do it. Um, I'm going to do the John Lennon experience here. Yeah. In um, We're doing a night that's basically covering the last waltz. Yeah. So it's like if, if John Lennon turned up to the last waltz, is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to wear the wig yeah. and all that shit and do it, even though I can't sing like him, but I just love it. But you can do a Paul bass line and sing. So you can do like paperback writer help a day tripper and sing at the same time yeah it took it took this guy's a talented musician fuck it takes practice yeah. to the point where you um you're not thinking about the bass line you're just singing but we were involved in, like there was a Beatles show the riffs are going across the melody line now aren't they yeah well he's a genius and like yeah it's almost taken for granted away and it does my head in when people slag McCartney off it's yeah, almost he's like alive basically but uh, no one can touch him do you know what no. I mean and a lot of them riffs he put on, they put the bass on last, like Rubber Soul Revolver, so like a lot of them, a lot of them riffs, they were mellowed their own. He, the bass was the last thing to go on. Really? Yeah. And also, it, he played rhythm guitar with Ringo. So and it overdubbed the bass. Yes, yeah, so the bass like last. So it, but. Some but of, then they had to do it live yeah, in the yeah. early days. Yeah. Yeah, he's a ridiculous bass player. That's interesting now about the brother. You've never argued with the brother. No, because it's just yeah. There's almost that much of an age gap where my other brother is like only is three years older than he is. Mm. So they like used to argue and fight and stuff. Yeah, I fought um, with my sister. Yeah, who's two years older. But then you reach an age where it's like you just grow up, don't you? But yeah, when you're yeah. kids, you yeah. do not, you don't understand adult communication. So, um, but you were 16 and he was like 24 when you're in the band. So you're already kind of a mate. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of, yeah, so luckily I could, well, both, my best, both my brothers are kind of my best mates as well because we get on well and like into the same things and stuff. And we go, me and my brother go to New York every year as well and just basically, yeah, go out, drink. <laughs> what do you think about New York then? So you would, because I spent a time there, have you ever experienced the scene in a way? You played gigs there? Yeah, I played gigs a few years ago. So I went nine years ago my first time and... Um, I loved it and we all made me, my brother and a friend of ours called Ryan we all love New York so we went the three of us and then we've kind of, we're all musicians so it, we kind of make an effort to go every January um, and January just which out. is a shit time but it's cold there man in January and it's cheaper right, <laughs> but, right, um, right. and we kind of stay you stay at Hotel 17 where'd you stay or do you have a f- mate oh, there we stay at in the Murray Hill area at the Finney don't stalk Alex but Af- at the Athenia de Mont, which is okay. 34th East, and oh, okay, it's so in it's the Murray Hill. Empire State Building. Yeah, but there's a great, like this sounds geeky, but the best deli I've ever been to is yeah, right by it. Yeah, but it's turned into um, it's turned into apartments this year now. So the first time in, like nine years we've got to stay somewhere else. Okay. But we don't really hang out in Manhattan. Like we every year we kind of go try somewhere else. Like what kind of train do what locals do now? Like we spend most of our time in Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, it used to be Williams, Gutberg, and that's got a bit hips, then we kind of go to Greenpoint and just, just try and find places every year that, that good places to eat and places to hang out. Um, there's a great DJ called Jonathan Tubin. I don't know if you've come across him. He plays, like, in Lower East Side every... At, at Home Sweet Home every... He plays at, like, comes over to DJ at um, End of the Road Fest every year. Oh, he's a pro DJ? Yeah, he plays, like, all old, rare 50s and 60s records. And we kind of found him last year and... It, um, just finding these little nooks and crannies, you know, and just staying away from the 
tourist trap and everything. Yeah, you've got to stay below like 30th Street. It's an amazing city. Yeah. I met Emily there, Sidewalk Cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been to Sidewalk Cafe? No, no. And there's Rockwood Music Hall. You been there? No. No. Where did you play a gig in like Brooklyn or something? It was there's an upstairs and downstairs. The living room. Oh pianos. Is it the living room? All the living room, yeah. The living room. Upstairs, the living room. Um, okay. We have a gig tonight at the Monarch. This is where we're doing this. Chalk Farm folk, it's every month. What song are you into? Like if you right now, if you were to walk away and put your headphones on or whatever, what song are you? Oh. We can we can edit the silence if you re- want to really think. Well, you go through phases of musicians and I was out the other night quite drunk and um, tougher than the rest came on oh, and shit. I haven't heard it, heard it in a while did you know I've already played that on this podcast oh. <laughs> I've already played it I don't know if I can repeat I know what you mean do you know the harmonica at the end yeah, yeah. is serious isn't it yeah. so that's like a good use of harmonica Yeah. but that's that's in his top five songs you know we can go Springsteen if you want well, the thing with Springsteen is like I always look at now like Run on top of five. It's like you're on a desert. Like, what songs do you always come back to? And there's certain songs. Well, that's one of them. Is um, your dad into Springsteen? How did you get into Springsteen? Um, through got the Rising album, and I was never a fan, never into okay. him. And I kind of got it. Like, that was great. And then we went. Me and my brother went to see him at the RDS in Dublin. Once you see him, so that's it. Magic tour. Yeah. And that, I think with Springsteen, you need kind of a side door because people, when people say, "I like, don't get it," it's like go and see him live and then mm. come back. Because it is, it's a, it's... Most people's side door is Nebraska. Because yeah. it's taken away all the cheesy, yeah. you know, performance stuff. Uh, yeah, so it, it, there needs to be a side door. But once you, that's what they say. There's yeah. people who love Bruce Springsteen, and then there's people that haven't seen him live. Yeah. That's like that myth or whatever. And he, he, the, the thing about him is, like, you'll never see the same show twice. No. Like, you'll go and see him five, six times on tour because you'll never see the same show twice. No. And it'll be three hours. You don't hours. play the same set? No. That's the thing about Ryan Adams I was saying. He's been playing the same set for like two years. Yeah. And he's got so many songs. And so Bruce does that. And when I talk to people that haven't seen him live, I'm like, if I had my last night on earth, I'd probably go to a Bruce gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's the most euphoric thing. Yeah. He's the best live act of all time, I think. Yeah, I'm at, there ain't... I've seen him maybe 20 times now. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. Like at Wembley last year, Wembley in the summer. No, I went to um, I went to the San Siro, and Paris. And yeah, that's different. Yeah, I saw him at the New Camp ten years ago. Oh, so the San Siro and shit like that. Italian. The crowd aren't just folding their arms; yeah, yeah. they are into it. Italian and Spanish. Oh, I mean, been to the San Siro twice, but Italian fans. Yeah. English fans. I don't know. They're quite reserved. And like, I saw him at high park a few years ago and it's, it's a bit oh that shit man yeah. the one where it rained with McCartney yeah and they cut the and they cut the, I was there as well mate That's, yeah. that, was, that is the most ridiculous gig yeah. experience Paul McCartney oh, and yeah. Springsteen yeah. are on stage and they that yeah. shows the powers that be on like Park Lane yeah uh, we, we, we saw him in Dublin a few days later and we were in a cab and it's and Irish fans are great as well and yeah. this Irish cab driver was like we got the London gig I was like yeah he goes Ireland will never switch off the bus. Yeah, of course. No, no, they wouldn't as well. No, no, no. Fair play to them. They do understand real music more. That's ridiculous. But yeah, Italian fans and Spanish fans, you know, a different level. Mm. Alex's album is out November 10th worldwide and it's called Alex. Alex? Yeah, I just remembered. So um, check out the album, check out Alex. Over and out.
For the benefit of Mr. Kite There will be a show tonight on trampoline The Hendersons will all be there Late of Pablo Frank is there What a scene Over men and horses, hoops and garters Lastly through a hogshead of real fire In this way Mr. K will challenge the world Celebrated Mr. K performs his feet on Saturday at Bishop's Gate. The Hendersons will dance and sing as Mr. Kite flies through the ring. Don't be late. Let us K and H assure the public their production will be second to none. And of course, Henry the Horse dances the walls. That was um, the Beatles with, for the benefit of Mr. Kite, going straight into Helter Skelter. That was from a project called Love, which was released, I don't know, 10 years ago now, by, done by um, Giles Martin. I've been getting back into the Beatles because I listened to a podcast with Giles Martin about the making of um, Sgt. Pepper's, or not the making necessarily, but the remastering and the remixing. So it's 8.30 in the morning. I'm having a very English experience of um, 
been squeezed into train lines like uh, sardines people sneezing on me mixture of commuters in St John's Wood and um, sort of 40 year old ladies with fluffy um, slippers on dog walking and doing nothing with their day while their husbands are in the city so it's a bit of a hectic time I want to capture these moments because I'm going to Abbey Road Studios I'm headed there right now I've got two minutes to get there, but I don't want to walk next to this accountant-looking fellow who'll think I'm a head case. Maybe I am a head case, but... I mean... I don't get up at 6.30 in the morning for anything, and I haven't got money. But, like, this is a big deal to me. I'm not going to record it or talk in there, you know, and I was actually quite worried because my schedule's been interrupted by an hour here. Um that I was going to have to arrive and have a shit in Abbey Road which is not ideal it's obviously not what I want to be doing I will check out the toilet facilities though I'd like to see where they had a piss between takes of you know come together actually come together is not one of my favourites I think it's overrated but anyway I'm actually getting close to the time I need to be in there but I shall not let the morning um, rush hour encroach on my mindset here heading into the most legendary recording studio in the world as I go into Abbey Road hello hello <laughs> word in your ear okay yeah I'll show you sort of where it starts okay George yeah okay okay Are yeah. you going A? I was doing, but I'm going to stay out of there. No, but I, is it? Are you going on number eight before we go into it? You go. Then right again. Did you go right into that? No, uh, oh, you shouldn't you do. do. You did that in. last time. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are you doing then? When he says it. Sure. Or you going to carry on with that? You're leaving a pause, man. Yes. There it is, Abbey Road. I'm just going to walk across the, um, the Abbey Road crossing while I'm doing my podcast here. Those cars are the sounds of cars crossing the zebra. And we're off it. There we go. So anyway, just had my meeting at Abbey Road, where I was in all of the studios. Started off in Studio 3, which is where the Beatles recorded Revolver. It was set up today for a band to come in, which I believe was Mumford & Sons. (sighs) You know, fair play to them. They can get the crowd going, but they don't deserve to be in there. Um, So then I went into... Studio One, which is the big open one, which is set up for an orchestra. And in Studio One is uh, where I think Abbey Road really started to hit it off because it's where orchestral scores were done before the Beatles, you know, the the studio opened in 1931. I've got all this stuff fresh in mind here from the meeting I had. But um, I was there in my John Lennon glasses, which was commented on. People gave me second looks, like thinking, is this guy a stalker or a weirdo? But Studio One actually was revived. They were going to turn it into a car park in the 70s, I heard. 
because that's the big open one where they did All You Need Is Love. It's the only time the Beatles really recorded in there, the live telethon. Uh, they were going to turn it into a car park, but then the Raiders of the Lost Ark soundtrack was done, and then it became like a soundtrack place so since they've done Harry Potter, you know, Lord of the Rings, all those kind of scores have been done in Abbey Road. And then I went into Legendary Studio 2, which is where the Beatles recorded 109 of their songs. Wow, this is still fresh in my memory. It's untouched. It's pretty much exactly the same as it was. So that was amazing. There are some people that have worked there for like 40 years. There's a guy that does the microphones that Jack said when he was on his third day there. He showed him microphones for three hours. He knows John Lennon's favourite microphone. He knows the microphone where Dark Side of the Moon was recorded. Uh, he probably knows Mumford & Sons' favourite uh, microphone. So what a great morning. It was very hot in the forecourt and I was very surprised when I came in with my, you know, granddad's collared top and my John Lennon glasses that they were playing like Usher or something in the reception and the reception area was very hot and full of construction workers but Abbey Road lives on it's um, been EMI was bought by Universal Music a couple of years ago so the future is actually safe for Abbey Road because I did ask but in any case all these people across that have made a lot of money out of music across the pond like you know obviously the Stones and McCartney himself Elton John they should just finance a studio if it ever goes under because it's so legendary it used to be a house when it started and then the back bit of it was all built on it's funny somebody lived in that house a hundred years ago before it became a studio yeah amazing amazing morning had a cup of coffee from the uh, Abbey Road cafe which I'm still drinking anyway that's my Abbey Road segment Green Man Festival in the tent. Day three. I'm doing a spontaneous episode of Carpenter's Rockbusters with Emily. Alright. And my clue was late arrival in the Wood River. How has that same item gone from in time to late arrival? Because those are the opposite things. Both apply. Okay. See if you can get it at home. It's a bad one. <laughs> Late arrival in the Wood River. And this is the name of a musician. It's not a, yeah. the name of a band. What's your favourite band so far, Green Man? Sports team. Sports team. The Rising Tent. I had a singer that was actually performing and not performing miserable millennium mope pop. Gospel Beach were good. Gospel Beach were from California. That's a bit of a nasty smell. Yeah, it stinks in here. It stinks in here. It's hot in here. We need air. These people need air. The answer is, right, so the clue was... Delayed Wood River or something. Delayed late arrival in the Wood River. The answer is Justin Timberlake. I'm bringing sexy back. Yeah. Mm. What's that? 
you doing? Getting spider off your neck. Emily's actually proven herself to be not really a temp person. <laughs> well, I'm not freaking out, but you know, I don't need. <sighs> I don't need like beetles and spiders and stuff on me. If you don't mind, I can stop them now. Oh no, that's too obvious. I was going to do this Englishman had leg based war weapons, Britney Spears. <coughs> but I'm going to give you another one. Just leg, leg focused. Yeah, leg, leg, leg focused English war weapons, Britney Spears. Uh, this is a total rip off of Carl Pilkinson's Rockbusters. Look that up on YouTube. But it's the best thing, best game I've ever heard for a podcast. So, got to go with the best, yeah. Alright. Right, what was my other one? Hold on, let me think. Soak in the green man atmosphere while I'm thinking. Alright. Okay, ready? This Frenchman covered the width of the dance hall. This Frenchman covered the width of the dance hall. What do they win if what do they win if they get it? I want you to tweet me at Mahoney Returns. Yeah. Or no, just, that's, it. that's it. Tweet me at Mahoney Returns the answer. This podcast will be out October twenty third. This Frenchman covered the width of the dance hall. I think I don't think that even works. But give it a go. Bye from Great Man Festival. No, 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 wait. It was, hold on. It was not this Frenchman. Because that doesn't work. The width of this French. Oh, the, the width, width of this, of this French, French dance. Yeah. The width of this f- French dance style. Alright, the width of this French dance style is quite easy. Bye. Bye. Tell me why. Start again. What did you do then? You made a mistake. I know you did. I want to hold your hand. Take one. Do it slower. No. Shh. Clean beginning now. Take nine. Ready? Ringo, keep your bit dead. Ringo! We're taping. First one, very initial attack. One, two, three. No, the first one, allowed. Attack. The second one, not quite so loud. Just try it. Oh, well, do it anyway. We'll just blast that bit, that one bit. Okay, welcome back to Green Man, the rock trivia special. First, beginning of the episode, we started off at Abbey Road, where I did a work meeting there. And uh, now we're doing Rockbusters at Green Man Festival. It's currently raining. The forecast is to rain the rest of the night, all night. It's 3.51. We're going to go and see... Who are we seeing first? Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson in a rave tent, or whatever it's called. Then we're going to go and see Connor Oberst. 
Honor Burst, my favourite album, my, uh, me anyway, the past two years. Mm. The mixture of his two albums, Salutations and um, Ruminations. Ruminations, yeah. PJ Harvey is playing also. Who else is playing? It's The Shins and then PJ Harvey. And then St. Etienne is on late. I don't know, we're pulling it. I don't think we're going to be there. We're not pulling a late one at St. Etienne. So tell me about the acts we've seen, Emily, and, you know, review. Yesterday we saw um, Hooray for the Riff Raff. How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, I enjoy the... I love her voice. Uh, Yeah, I know. I love the album. I like her voice, too, and I like the song that you like, Living in the City. But... She's a little bit preachy. On she was preaching. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people's heads are full of Twitter and you know Trump and stuff. And people come to festivals to have a good time and like people are free to do what they want, free speech. But my main aim with music is to entertain, to get people enjoying stuff. People have made up their mind anyway. If they're at a fucking music festival in Wales and they're giving away Guardian tote bags, you're pre- to, preaching to the converted. But yeah, that I was. Know. I don't know if shouting out and being like, "We're going to change the world," and like you know, oppression and like. It was just a little bit... Yeah, she's young. And what young. does she know about She's young, yeah. <laughs> then we saw Johnny Flynn and the Sussex Wit, who record in Soup Studios, where we've recorded our last two albums, Mahoney in the Moment. Um, the first couple of songs I thought were quite good, and I've heard him before, and I thought it was all right. But when you turned up, it was like, wow, this is terrible now. I don't know why. It may- Maybe he's a one-song wonder. I quite liked his opening song. And his band were playing all the instruments we play, like harmonium. The girl was very prominent. They had ukuleles and fiddles and stuff like that. But he was shit, really, wasn't he? I wasn't impressed. No, he started pissing down as well. So He didn't have any charisma. He's an actor as well, which is really weird to me because he had no show at all. It was English folk, which I'm not that bothered about anyway, but it just wasn't very good. Um, but I'd rather that than some sort of crap music. It's, it's the right genre of music, but you know, Laura Marling is much better. Even Mumford and Sons are better. Maybe he's bitter that he's not Mumford and Sons, because that sort of music is what they do, isn't it? But in a Springsteen way, and they're like, let's go. And he's just, what was it? And then we saw Michael Kiwanuka. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I thought it was good. He's got a good voice. Black well. man, a white man's world, and everyone in the new audience was white. And yeah, he's good. He's like Bob Marley, but more upbeat. And you know, it's not black music, but it's something urban about it in a way, wasn't it? It's something traditional. It's funky, wasn't it? It's groovy, yeah. Groovy. And he's got a good voice. Mm-hmm. Didn't get sick of his voice. He's a real, yeah, he's a real musician. It's good to see. Then we buggered off for the end of that, though. I can't remember why. Where did we go next? Uh, Get food or something. Yeah. Tell me about the food at Green Man. What was your favourite dish? Maybe it was the banh mi breakfast. Banh mi breakfast, yeah, and a French stick by what are they called? Faux show. Faux show, yeah, and I think they've won some awards tonight. That was good. I had the same thing. Amazing baguette at a festival, which is hard to come by. There's a spider there. We'll get rid of it in a minute. We'll get rid of it in a minute. I'm not freaking out. I'm doing very well with the spider just hanging over my belly. Hear the rain there? That's real rain. That's free. free. You know, oh, for this oh no, and he fell. He fell. He fell in my crotch. <laughs> he heard us. He's like, right, I'm getting involved in Emily's crutch. He was like, look at that juicy fanny. I'm going. <laughs> Emily's not naked though. She looks like Rambo actually. Look like you're going lumberjack shopping. Love Rambo. 
we've had the curry which was good it was okay no, the chicken okay. the carvery rotisserie chicken I love saying rotisserie chicken because of Steve Austin but you got pissed off because you were trying to take a picture of the rotisserie chicken I wanted a picture of chicken she goes remember to tweet us I was like well I'm already buying a chicken sandwich yeah. for £8 I don't need to do anything for you bit of gravy on it though it was nice it was real chicken but yeah she didn't impress me hashtag whatever they were called chicken.com the nachos were good the mac and cheese was good breakfast we had yesterday was or I had yesterday was good I don't know if yours was as good as mine I had a steak bap and he forgot to charge me and I went how'd you pay and he went oh yeah sorry ain't you very honest man I'm like well I'm not really so I felt I felt aggrieved there for paying the eight bones for a steak sandwich but it was an okay steak sandwich I might have another one later maybe not can't have the same thing twice right and then Ryan Adams um I went to the front people really like do you still love me babe and like really trying to metal it up but there was something not quite right about him I could tell good performance though if you're a neutral you've never seen him mm-hmm. if you're a super fan like me though it's like mm. he wasn't saying anything between songs he's been playing he was playing the same songs he's been playing for three years sort of 80s um Springsteen Black Sabbath Grateful Dead mashup which was good enough but and obviously he's amazing to me but he was using about 10% of his power to me because he can play piano he can do bluegrass style music country obviously the stuff he's already doing I think he's having issues so it was okay Conor Obers is my main act of the weekend and I was just saying that when we saw the two acts two years ago at um, what was that festival called? Governor's Ball mm-hmm. Conor Obers was all over the place looked like he was woken up in a ditch and was like clearly exhausted and having issues and that was one of Ryan Adams best performances actually when he played after him but it's reversed this time and um, we're going to see I've never seen PJ Harvey might check it out we're not drenched to the bone we're going to take a backpack out now so we've got utilities oh yeah Rockbusters okay so what was my clue it was like width of a French dance Dance style. style width of a French dance style and the answer who got it at home who tweeted me it was Spandau Ballet Span Span de Ballet Span de Ballet wasn't that actually one of the answers on Rockbusters no my favourite one from Rockbusters Neil Demand Neil Demand I can't remember what the clue was (laughs) It was like a Jamaican doesn't need anything or something, right? Need demand. <laughs> that Jamaican fella, uh, he doesn't want anything, right? So you got to think about the accent there. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want anything, so yeah. so he's not he's not, he's not sort of demanding anything. Okay. No, no sort of demand. Nil demand. Neil Demand. So it's like Neil Diamond. They'd say Neil Diamond, please. No, Can no. I have some Neil Diamond. Neil Demand. <laughs> and there's Wet Knee Houston, which was good. Oh, it's wet down there. So that's it for another episode. And then as we went to Abbey Road as well, can you tell me your top three Beatles songs? Or is that too hard? You hate doing top threes or top fives, don't you? Yeah, I do. Oh, actually, yeah, let's do mine. I Want You She's So Heavy is in my top three. I tell you what, I'll do one by Beatle. So I'm doing that for John, I want you, she's so heavy. Then for Paul, 
might just keep it heavy and go helter skelter. Mm. I like Blackbird and stuff, but that's a bit of a solo tune. Yeah, I'm going to go with helter skelter for Paul. And then for uh, George, I'm going to do Taxman. I'm not doing Here Comes the Sun or any of that. I do like While My Guitar Gently Weeps, but I'm doing Taxman. Well, which one of those do you want to finish the podcast with? Taxman. You sure? <laughs> Let's finish with Helter Skelter. <laughs> we've, uh, maybe we'll go on Helter Why Skelter. Ask me anything. Oh, my leg is really wet. I know. I wonder if we should have maybe zipped that back up. <laughs> it's really raining. I know. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Bevis Dev, Hampstead, St. John's Wood, um, and now Wales. What do you think of Wales? Nice people. Pretty mountain. Yeah. See you next time. Here's Helter Skelter by the Beatles. I got blisters on my fingers. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. Where I stop and I turn and I go for a ride. Till I get to the bottom and I see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you, don't you want me to love you?
Vegas! <laughs>